You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Locked On Seminoles. It's Friday, and as you can tell by the volume and intensity with which I'm speaking, I'm fired up. We had college football last night. We've got college football tonight. We've got college football tomorrow, all day. And then on Sunday, Florida State takes on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. I mean, it's back, baby. It's here. There's nothing else to say about it. I'm excited. You're excited. Drake's excited. Philly G's excited. Stacy's excited. Holly's excited. Everyone's fired up for football. So without further ado, let's get to part two of our interview with Philly G from Notre Dame's SB Nation outlet, One Foot Down. He knows more about Notre Dame than I've ever known about anything in my life, and I am fired up to bring him to you as a guest. Gentlemen, take it away. Obviously, yeah, because yeah, also they have probably two of the most dynamic people, uh, yeah, two of the most dynamic athletes probably in the entire field, and Chris Tyree, who I followed back when he was in high school because Florida State was recruiting him, but, you know, Taggart didn't last that long, and then Kyron Williams, who... <laughs> Took the entire country by storm last year, and he was just a monster. But I'm going to shift a little bit more to the defense now because one of the big news that came out over the past week was your Will linebacker. Um, I want to say, hopefully, I can pronounce his name properly. Maris Lufau, is that how I pronounce it? Yeah, Maris Leofau. Maris Leofau. Sorry, I thought I thought Sepha Lufau with the quarterback of Colorado. <laughs> yeah. So I wanted to make sure I said that right. So how does that change the entire dynamic of your defense? Because I know he was a little bit younger. I want to say that he was going into his third year. He's going to be your starter. And he's seen from all accounts that he's going to be locked down that starting, that starting spot. So what does his loss mean for your defense now? Because I think now you're starting a J.D. Bertrand instead. So mm-hmm. what do you guys do moving forward with defense? So with Leofi, you're losing like in a kind of hair on fire, pun intended, because you have long Hawaiian hair. Oh, but he's got kind of hair, hair on, Yeah, great hair. But he's kind of like you're losing, you're losing some swag, but you're losing like hair on fire blitzer who just blitz with reckless abandon and just blows people up. And so – with with that as a loss and and i was actually i was out the other week and i looked up at a tv right the day that he broke and dislocated his leg sucks real bad but looked up and kirk herb street had him for nominated for a herbie this year of like players to look out for so i walked looked at the tv and that was just you know kind of a gut punch there from herbie but um jd bertrand is going to be much more like drew white our starting middle linebacker who they're both you know, not huge guys, but have good speed and are just really, really good football players. So J.D. Bertrand, even with Leofau getting hurt, had beat out Shane Simon, who started primarily at Will last year. And so J.D. Bertrand was the number two and going to play a ton regardless. And so he had already beaten out last year's starter. So I think coming to this year, there's going to be a higher level of production from the Will linebacker regardless, but you're losing a much more dynamic athlete and disruptive player who's probably going to make, I'd say Bertrand's going to make less mistakes, but he's going to have less like, holy shit, that linebacker just blew through the hole, blew up the running back and then sacked the quarterback type of plays. But I think you're not going to lose much in the, in the run production game, but where you might see some is, you know, Leofow is a more dynamic athlete with a massive wingspan can just get in those passing lanes and things like that. So a little bit shorter and a little bit stockier, um, but in terms of like assignment correctness and losing, you're not like throwing in someone who wasn't supposed to play a lot. And then you also lose someone to the, to the pros and Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa, who also was probably, we heard his name a thousand times last year. Like yeah. me and Max are excited for him. You know, like, Hey, 
congratulations, my man. You promoted, man. You go into the league. You're, you're a professional now. But we're like, he was probably your best player on defense last year, not named Kyle Hamilton. So yeah. then, like, I'm looking at your defensive line right now. Is there anybody that we should be looking out for on Sunday that might be not take over the mantle from him or, like, maybe you have a combined, you know, output from some of your players? So a couple guys um, who probably aren't the, you know, I think the big name right now is Isaiah Foskey, who's was on Bruce Feldman's, you know, freak list this year. So he's kind of got that fast twitch, freaky edge rusher, rusher uh, mentality who, you know, has the opportunity to take over that, like, next great Notre Dame defensive end position. So, you know, you'll see a lot of twitch out of him, but we haven't necessarily seen the production coming out of the spring in the camp that you would have hoped for. Um, but instead, a couple guys who've been getting a lot of credit is Myron Tagabaloa Omosa, uh, Tua's cousin. Shout out to him. I'm about to, to ask, him. I'm like, is that Tua's yeah. like cousin or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Tua, I mean, every, everyone in Hawaii is a cousin of a cousin of somebody, but that was that was not like a South, everyone's your cousin. It's just all the, it's everyone's, everyone's family. I've seen Lilo and Stitch. Come on. So Myron Tagabaloa Omosa, Lord Myron, he's coming in and he switched from, uh, from, you know, a, a D tackle to DN. So he came to Notre Dame as a DN, but he said he just ate too much spam <laughs> before he came. Um, and said he had too much Hawaiian food before he came. So they placed him at D tackle. So he actually slimmed down as that slid over to the defensive end. So he's going to be really good. And then at uh, kind of inside um, look for um, Jason and Justin Adamiola, some twins, as well as Riley Mills, who Riley Mills, if you Google him kind of looks like, and has that like real farm boy Midwestern beast look that JJ Watt has, who's a true sophomore, who's going to be really disruptive inside. Hey folks, sorry to interrupt the interview, but it's for a good reason. I'm about to tell you about Built Bar, but if you're an avid listener to this show, you already know about Built Bar. It's the best protein bar on the market. No questions about it. 17 to 19 grams of protein, only five grams of sugar, only five grams of carbs, it literally tastes like a candy bar, but you're getting protein while you're eating it. I mean, look, I've been a big protein bar guy, you know, probably for the past decade. They're great ways to get a snack at the office. They're a great thing to have in the golf bag. They're very versatile. You can use them in all kinds of situations. But now I'm a huge Built Bar guy. And to be honest, when we first started doing this and they were a sponsor, I I didn't know if they were going to sell me, right? Like I... I thought, eh, I've kind of got my brands I use now. Maybe I'll stick to them. I ordered two boxes because I wanted to see what it was all about. Didn't want to lie to y'all. And yeah, I've been hooked ever since. So if you're not on the Built Bar train yet, just go to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKED15. You get a 15% discount. You get a wonderful protein bar delivered right to your door. And you get a snack for the rest of your life. BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKED15. I mean, that's horrifying, especially because if you get that, our, our offensive line has been kind of offensive for the past four to five years. But last year we saw a substantial improvement. But if you're able to get to the quarterback, that means that someone by the name of Kyle Hamilton in the secondary is going to be feasting. And one of the big things that I kind of want to know about him, like, I I mean, we all know how great this kid is. Like, what else does he, this kid have to really prove right now? Because he probably is probably one of the best, probably best safeties in the country right now. Um, I think he just has to do, I mean, he came in as a freshman and was like absolutely the shiny toy and then just completely delivered on that. And then even last year, he, you know, he had a high ankle sprain in the first game. And so for the rest of the year, he was playing on a high ankle sprain and he got surgery in the off season. So he was probably playing at 80, 85% last year, which is scary. So I think he's, people are expecting him to take another jump forward. And so it's definitely a lot of pressure on him, but I think now it's, He's gone from being a young, great freshman, 
unbelievably good sophomore, but now he needs to be like the full leader of the defense. And I think people look to him. And so he's bringing with him a young secondary, not young age wise, but just experience wise. So, um, you know, he's really going to be the one who needs to make sure that they're getting aligned and everything is proper and correct. Because again, I think, you know, the only thing that worries me, not the only thing, but one of the things that worries me in this game is the secondary not named Kyle Hamilton. Cause you have, you know, three guys, you know, two of which haven't started too much. One of them who came on last year and started as a true freshman who was like really good for a true freshman. And so it's going to be really interesting to see how Florida State's, you know, wide receivers will go against the cornerbacks and against the, the safeties. And the real key here is going to be, can our defensive line get pressure quickly? So I think that's going to dictate a lot of the game because then that's going to make the job of those younger players in the secondary, their job's a lot easier. Well, you just took the question right out of my mouth because I literally was going to ask, like, what's the key for our offense to actually have any success against your defense? So basically you're, what I'm hearing is what's the wideouts need to actually, you know, be, be wideouts. Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm thinking of it. The old, the old line, more than anything, the O-line has to give Travis some time. Um, and I, I'm jumping the gun and I'm just assuming as Travis at this point, because I feel like it's all smoke and mirrors by Norvell. But, um, but I, you know, I think they, they have to give Travis a little bit of time. Um, and so I think Notre Dame is going to start off at least a little bit, a little conservative when it comes to the secondary, um, just to make Travis beat them, but also to put the pressure on from the D line and really just see what they have in Travis and what he looks like throwing the ball this year, because you know, I think what they're going to really not want is they're not going to want Travis to beat them with their legs. They're going to try to make him beat them with his arm. Uh, probably start off in some concern, a little bit conservative coverages and try to let their D line go to work. And if I think if I'm Marcus Freeman, I say, listen, let's go straight up to start off with and see if our D line can manhandle their offensive line. And if that's the case, we'll be fine. Yeah. And you know, for the first time ever, I will say I'm not confident that the answer is yes to the question of will there be a ton of pressure on the quarterback? I mean, we interact on Twitter. You saw the graphic I shared. We've gotten 98 starts in our two deep, you know, look, there's the old saying practice doesn't make perfect practice makes permanent. So if you're doing the same bad action over and over again, it doesn't always make you better, but I think it's going to be a contest in the trenches this year. And I think last year we needed, gosh, we needed so much is magicianry a word from Travis, you know, like towards the end of that game, we did, I think we converted on what two or three fourth downs in a row. Terry was just lights out. We don't have him this year, but I think we're going to see a more solid contest. I hope maybe yeah. that's wishful thinking. Was, yeah. So I just want to transition from the X's and O's to the program in general, because I asked you this last year and I, I kind of want to ask you again, what does Notre Dame need now to take that next step? Because we saw last year, they were a phenomenal team. And I was watching Colin Cowherd and Kirk Herbstreet today, and they were both talking even like, you know, what is going on at Notre Dame? They're now starting to get the big recruits. They're starting to be, you know, in 2012, by the third snap, and this was Kirk's words, not mine, you knew Notre Dame wasn't going to win that national championship. Last year, I think the score was a little more lopsided in that second Clemson game, but you guys were hanging with the big boys. So what is going to be needed to get over that hump and bring the trophy home for the first time in a couple decades? It's honestly just a, an elite quarterback. And so they are now getting the skill positions around them. Um, they're having the running back talents. Marcus Freeman is recruiting at just an insane clip. So the recruiting is there where you feel confident of the next three or four years, like Notre Dame is in a great spot. Um, but where they need to hit on is that elite quarterback play. So they have, you know, a four-star former five-star guy in Tyler Buckner, who's a freshman this year. 
and the hope that he can be that guy. Um, and so we'll, we'll, we'll maybe see him a little bit throughout this year, but it really just comes down to, you look at all the quarterbacks who've won a national championship in recent history, even Mac Jones, who people were saying was a bit of a game manager last year, just ousted Cam Newton is starting for the Patriots in a first round draft pick. So I'm having to eat my hey, words hey, so badly fair. on that. I was fair. like the king of, oh, I could have thrown for 3,000 yards on that offense. And now it's like, <laughs> oh, no, he's actually really good at quarterback. Fantastic. Also, I, I could have thrown for at least 2,000 yards on that offense. But yeah, just it doesn't change the fact I could have. Devontae Smith and Waddle. That's Not it. only right. that, both of us, all three of us could probably throw better than Cam Newton right now. If you watched him last year, he was god-awful. I mean, that man couldn't throw past five yards at all. Yeah, he's been – I mean, that guy's been beaten into smithereens. But it's still Cam Newton. Like, I – you got to be a good quarterback to beat out Cam Newton because nothing reminds me of how hard it is to be an NFL quarterback than when you see who are still backup quarterbacks during the preseason. You're like, wait, Mike Glennon is still in the league. How many quarterbacks have come out of college since he, and that guy's still there. Yeah. It must be pretty hard because no one's taken his job yet. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Anyway, that's a sycamore. So he'll be fine. So one more question about the program, because I'm I'm just genuinely curious. Now that y'all have had a few months to digest it, what's been the fan base's reaction to your one year in the ACC? Are they just tried commitment? They never want to go back? Would they maybe want to get married one day? Like, what are they thinking? No, they they like the independence. They like not having to deal with all the BS that's been going around with conference realignment. No matter what happens in college football, people are going to want to schedule and play Notre Dame. And so they're not worried about their schedule. Um, they love being able to play games West Coast to East Coast and have that full, you know, scope when it comes to recruiting and talent and that national name. And so I don't, I don't see people getting FOMO at all. Um, so I think people are looking at all the conference stuff and, and even last year and say, hey, we went in the ACC one year. We made the college football playoff. We showed that it was it was an easier path to get the college football playoff and a conference than it would be as independent. So people aren't going to be talking as much anymore saying like, Hey, like Notre Dame schedule is a cakewalk. You look at Notre Dame schedule. It's always hard. And so it's like people, they, they like playing the historic programs that they do. And I don't think that that's going to change. They, I think they like having that partial ACC schedule without having to go through that conference championship game. Is it going to have a little bit of an implication when it's a 12, 12 team playoff and they can't get a one through four seed? Sure, but at the same time, it's still an easier path into the playoff than it would be in joining SEC or ACC or one of those. Ladies and gentlemen, it's your host, Max, and I'm here to remind you, first of all, we'll be having a very special Saturday episode tomorrow with Danny Domino. He'll be giving you his picks for the weekend. But to take advantage of that, you got to go to betonline.ag, use promo code Locked On, make your account. That way, you get a welcome bonus that you can use on yours, Danny's, and whoever else's picks that you'll get in the show tomorrow. But since one of the picks is a Friday night game, we're going to give you a freebie one more time. Drake, roll the tape. My first lock of the week is going to be uh, Wake Forest first half. Wake Forest brings back all 11 starters on their offense. They're going to score. They're one uh, running back, Kenneth Walker, did transfer to Michigan State, but they bring back their leading rusher. They're up-tempo. They were sixth in place per game. ODU didn't play any games on the spring, didn't play last fall. So they're looking at 19 months without a game. Old Dominion only brings back nine starters. They have a new uh, coach, Ricky Rain, was the OC at Penn State. So what's the logic there, Dan, of the first half? Like, why, so, do you, why do you like them in the first half over a full game? 
just because 31, 31 and a half is a lot of points. You're going to look at UCLA, what happened to them. They went up big by the third quarter. You know, their starters were out. I think it's one of those things that leaves a backdoor cover possibility. They play Norfolk State next week. So I think basically what you're going to see here is Wake Forest treat this almost like an NFL preseason game, typically like week three before yep. the week before the game and let their starters go out and actually play and see what they can do and make sure everything is right and everything like that. So, I mean, I think the first half here is definitely worth a look. I'd look at the first quarter, too, with Wake Forest playing Norfolk State next week. The home stadium, I think it's going to come out rocking. Old Dominion, new coach, only nine returning starters, haven't played in two years. I think they're going to struggle off the bat. And not only that, too, like you like if you put your resume, because you're right, you do have a very difficult schedule. I mean, look, I'm looking at yours from this year right now. You have a gauntlet of Wisconsin, Cincinnati, Virginia Tech, USC, the North Carolina, which nobody will want to play any of those games. And even if we do move to a 12-team playoff, like you probably would have – with that kind of resume already, and you still go, what, like nine wins maybe? Yeah. Or, or ten wins, like you will be better than any other group of five, you know, program, you know, out there because of just strength of schedule. And I think there's more my question is that now – because you do – what are your expectations, I guess, moving in for this season? Because you do bring in a Marcus Freeman at your defensive coordinator spot who was with Luke Fickle. And some people are claiming that it's more – the defense at Cincinnati is more like Luke Fickle, like similar to how FSU, Kane Dillingham, is not calling any plays whatsoever. So how do you actually feel about Marcus Freeman actually being your D.C. heading into this season? I love it. Um, all the responses from the players have been, like, overwhelmingly positive. And from the fact that it's a little bit of a simpler defense to get – athletes just on the field and playing which as a player that's what you want to hear me as a former player not really because I use my brains to get on the field not my athleticism so for me it probably wouldn't be beneficial to me as a former player but for the guys who fans want to see playing and players that should be on the field it makes it easier for them to get on the field but more almost equally as important as that is he's just an elite recruiter and is just pulling dudes into Notre Dame that Notre Dame didn't used to even have a chance with and so you know, I think it's it's interesting because we've we come off kind of some riches of defensive coordinators and everything is all signs are pointing to that this is the next guy. So people love him um, from everything he said, the interviews that he's done, his work ethic, his personality, what he's delivered. And so, you know, I think it's the expectation is that this is going to be a really, really good defense, but kind of broader expectations, at least my perspective. And I'm usually like pretty optimistic, but have a, you know, a a pretty good grasp on where the programs are, you know, I'm going into the season as all upside, you know, I think Notre Dame can sleepwalk through this season and end up with nine or 10 wins, but I think they have a really high ceiling. And I wrote about this last week, but they have a really high ceiling, but also pretty high floor. And so that, that that's kind of the expectation that I'm having where you mentioned that gauntlet of four games. I don't think they come out of that unscathed. If they, if they do, they've really exceeded my expectation, but I'm anticipating, you know, one, more likely probably two losses with a New York New Year's six bowl win. And so that's for me would consider a great season and what's considered to be a little bit of a transition year where we have tons of talent coming back next year, the quarterback of the future and waiting. And so this year is all for me, it's kind of all upside. So that's, that's really why I'm looking forward to the season so much. I wish I was yeah. that optimistic. I remember those days. <laughs> yeah. It's funny you say like the, the cautious optimism because it's interesting how your fan base seems to all sort of have that mentality, right? Whereas some other fan bases who we won't name that maybe won a championship back in the eighties. And then were, you know, downtrodden for a couple decades and recently got pretty good under a, you know, head coach that's been there for seven or eight years have become super entitled. So 
appreciate your fan base's uh, humility, if you will. And I expect there to be lots of good cheer in Dope Campbell. I don't think I've ever actually gotten to an argument with a Notre Dame fan. Y'all are pretty civil, pretty, uh, pretty easy to share a stadium with. Um, no, it should be, it should be, it should be a good crowd. Um, I think the Notre Dame people who are going there are a lot of them. I'd say Notre Dame fans, a lot of them are just real college football fans. Um, a lot of them are kind of nerdy, kind of dorky, but deep down they're just real college football fans and they just, they love a good game. They love a good environment and they go into the places like this and are going to one appreciate the environment that you guys have. And there's been such a, such a desire to be back tailgating back at college football that I think honestly, like going back, like if I was there, I wouldn't even feel like hostile at all. I would be with you guys chugging beers in the parking lot. So that's the type of thing where I think you'll find a lot of people who are more enthusiastic and happy to be there with you guys in this environment than, you know, people who are, you know, if it's an SEC team who just comes in and scumbags, you know? Right. No, and I, or, and my, it's or Miami. Because, right. Or Miami. Or Miami. Exactly. Yeah. You know, this is one of those matchups that you become a Florida State fan or a Notre Dame fan, or you go to these schools to be a part of, right? It's just, mm-hmm. you say, you know, people say, oh, you don't really know you're a part of history until it's happened. But yeah. when you're at these games, like even when we get blown out, right? Or even if, you know, it goes the other way, these two teams, when you're in Dote Campbell or you're up in uh, South Bend, you feel like, okay, this is what college football is supposed to be about. So we're glad that y'all are coming down. We're happy to host you, but I do hope the result is a little more, you know, 2011, 2014, and a little less 2018. Yeah. I mean, the thing is I'm, I'm saying this right now, but then it's, it's, if the game's close and it gets hostile, I'm going to be, and I'm sitting in a, in, at a wedding, looking at my phone, I'm probably gonna be texting you guys. What the F is going on? I hate both of you. Like it's again, the hostilities turn on. Um, and so like, I'm like calm, cool and collective right now until I'm sweating through my suit in T minus a few days. Yeah, man. I, I know you got to jump. So we appreciate you coming on. Seriously. I am hoping you are sending those texts. I'm hoping you're giving us some proof of life because if you're not texting, we're going to assume that you're stuck at the wedding and you're not even getting to watch the game. And we wouldn't want you to miss that. So thanks again for coming, man. Always great to have you. You guys are the best and go Irish and go Seminoles in the future when they're not playing Notre Dame. There we go, man. Exactly. See you, guys. See you, buddy. Adios. Gosh, always great to have Philly G on the pod. Love having him here, and I'm sad it's over, but I'm sure we'll find a reason to get him back on later in the year. Folks, thanks for stopping by. Thank you for your continued support of Locked On Seminoles. We love talking about Florida State football, and we get to do it because all of y'all tune in to listen. So please hit us on Twitter, leave us five-star reviews, however you want to interact. Keep up the interaction because we really do appreciate it and it's fun for us and I hope it's fun for you. If you're in Tallahassee, we'll be on Legacy Walk, Locked on Seminoles Tailgate. Feel free to swing by and say what's up. No photos, please. I'm just kidding. You guys don't want photos with us, but if you want to say what's up, you'll see us around there. So thanks for stopping by. Y'all have a wonderful weekend and we'll see you in Tallahassee. I'm Max. That was Drake and Philly G. And this was Locked on Seminoles.